today on City Cash Chicago, you probably don't know the name of every CPS high school in the city, but one you probably heard of, Whitney Young. The selective enrollment high school is considered one of the best in the country, and alumni, oh yeah, they're going to let you know they went there. And for nearly three decades, the school's name has been synonymous with that of its principal, Dr. Joyce Kenner. Well, Kenner is retiring this summer, and we talked to her at the school's West Loop campus. It's Tuesday, May 17th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. So I'm at Whitney Young Magnet School in the West Loop with producer Small Alisea. As soon as you walk in, they immediately have like trophies all through the entrance of the academic building, trophy cases on both sides. I imagine state championships, decathlons, tennis trophies, you name it. This is the home of the Dolphins. Uh, we're going to check in real quick so you know people don't just be staring at us weird. Uh, we have an appointment with Dr. Kenner. Okay. Oh, okay. For sure. Hello. How are you doing today? Looking relaxed during a busy afternoon, Kenner greets us between meetings. Around the corner from our office, she shows us the bust of civil rights icon Whitney Young. Students are just moving through the hallways for the last periods of the day. How you doing, babe? How's your mom? Okay, good. I gotta give her a call. Tell her I need some more body butter. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing good. Should we head out this way? Yeah. How good are you with names and faces after all these years? Um, I'm pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good. So this is the new kind of like student area. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that we, we just uh, finished like at the beginning of the school year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, people always talk about like senioritis, them last few weeks, months of school before oh, no. they leave. Oh, oh. You got senioritis, Dr. Oh, Kenner? Oh, absolutely not. No? Oh, not at all. No. No, I, I, I'm, I'm always focused. I mean, You looked a, at me to, like, how dare you ask yeah, well, such a I'm thing? I'm always focused to a fault sometimes. I, I mean, I get a little bit too serious with with myself. No, I'm, I'm focused until the end. I don't know when the end is going to be. It could be July 1st. It could be at the end of this month. It could be in the next month. I, I don't know yet. I want to make sure that the... The, the next principal is in place before I leave. How involved are you in the selection of your successor? I know you mentioned you had a person of mine, but... The process starts uh, with our local school council. Um, and so I'm, I'm just one member on the council. I do not vote for my um, successor, but I, I'm involved. I will be involved in the process. Yeah. So how do you exert that influence? Do you just say what you feel? And I'm going to say what I feel. I mean, I have nothing to lose at this point. Nobody can fire me. None of that. So I'm gonna say what I need to say, and and definitely if they ask me the questions, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer them. I I think it needs to be somebody who is definitely knows about Whitney Young and 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 how we operate here in this building. We don't have any time for anybody to to have a, a large learning curve. We just don't have the time for that. So we are in uh, the office of Dr. Joyce Kenner. Technically, we're in uh, someone else. Whose office are we in right now? We're Dr. in Mr. Kenner? Swanson's off office. Uh, he is an assistant principal here. Right. Uh, your office is being packed right now. Is there a lot of people typically moving in and out of your office? It seems like a, it was a hangout spot at the moment. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it, well, we don't consider it a hangout spot. <laughs> we consider, consider it central to all that we do here in the building. Yeah. Uh, before coming to Whitney Young, you worked with Operation Push, the organization founded by Jesse Jackson. Was there something about Whitney Young that attracted you to the role in the school? 
Well, Whitney Young was always known as a as an academic powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got the job, I set out to make it a powerhouse in everything. So our chess team has won state. Um, Boys and girls basketball has won state. Academic decathlon team has won the state competition over 30-plus years. And, I mean, I can go on and on and on. I know you can. Uh, Debate team is nationally (laughs) recognized. And I just think that students need to know and understand that whatever they are involved in, a school should embrace that and, and, and make them winners as best that they can. Winnie Young obviously has this reputation of prestige, right? Excellence is the standard. That's correct. Uh, what kind of environment does that create for students? Do do students come in up to the challenge, or is it hard to, to live up to that reputation? Whitney Young is a very difficult school academically, but I think the students are up for the challenge, and that's why they apply to come to Whitney Young. And, and I've always pressed upon, impressed upon them, this is going to be probably the most difficult four years or six years that you will have, but but it will be the most rewarding because that piece of paper will say to all of the colleges that these students are ready for college rigor. And I think that the kids have bought into that message. If I was coming here first day and I saw my alums or people like Jaleel Okafor and Michelle Obama and, and astronauts and doctors, and you still say this might be the hardest four or six years. Some alums have said that the hyper competitive environment can at times be toxic, that they don't feel that they can can speak up if they're, you know, maybe struggling or if they're not meeting the standards that that the school sets from top to bottom. You know, what, what would you say to those alums? And, and I would say to those alums, they, they then they never came down to my office and talked to me about it. We try to provide every single resource we possibly have and can get in order for students to be successful in this environment. And I, I, I honestly believe those students that have not been as successful as they would have liked to have been, they didn't come down and have a conversation with their principal. Dr. Kenner, I, I'm loving the energy. And and that that feels a little... I wouldn't say like dismissive, but if I'm 12 or, or, you know, if I'm 13, 14 years old, my first thought might not be to go see the the principal of one of the most prestigious schools in my city. So, so how do you make sure that students get that message that they can come talk to you? They can come. Uh, so, we, so I meet with each grade level once a month. Uh, and I say, say the same thing every <laughs> single time I talk to the students. If you have an issue come and talk to us about it. If there's some rumors flying around, come and ask me. If you are afraid to come and talk with me, then email me, call me on the phone, leave a message, do whatever you need to do, but get the answers. How have you adapted to a a city that's changing seemingly every single day. Yeah, Chicago has changed. Um, Gangs have changed here in terms of the influence that they have on our schools. Um, You know, violence has had a great impact and racial incidents have had a great impact on our school. Can you speak to any in particular that has really almost like shaken your, not necessarily your core, your foundation, but shaken your school community over, over the last few years? Any incidents? the incident that we had recently at Whitney Young uh, with the teacher with the doll. Yeah. Can you kind of explain to me what happened? From, from my perspective, and, and obviously it is under investigation, so we can't really talk too much about it, but a, a small football doll, it, the doll was African-American, 
Uh, it was made out of cloth, but the doll's face was brown. Uh, and a teacher hung the doll in front of the classroom on the rope that you pull up your shade with. And his explanation was that he somebody had left it in the classroom and he wanted that person to know that they had left it in the classroom. Uh, my position on that is that he should have left it on the table rather than it hanging uh, on, on, a, on a piece of uh, thread or rope or whatever the case may have been in front of the classroom. The person has been re removed from Whitney Young um, and it is now being investigated by the district. We had a major um, a gathering of students in our theater. The district personnel came to talk about that incident. Uh, we came up with some solutions in terms of how we are going to we are going to address those incidents if they happen again. I just try to do the best I can in terms of navigating those and not hiding anything, trying to be as transparent as I possibly can and telling the students, hey, I don't have the answer, but I'll find the answer for you. You know, in the last few years, young people have worked even harder to have their voices being heard as we're going through climate change and economic disaster and uh, another racial uh, awakening. I don't know how many the United States needs, but apparently we're having yeah. another one in the aftermath of the, the 2020 protests. There were, you know, some alumni who came together and were wondering if the school was doing enough. Uh, a protest that circulated where students were calling for your ousting. Were you able to talk to the, the alumni who put together that uh, petition calling for your ousting? Were you able yeah, to, to kind of meet eye to eye? And to be honest with you, the two, uh, one of the two students that started the protest, he actually came and met with me and apologized. But, you know, I don't hold grudges. These are young people trying to, to have their voices heard. But I told him the next time that there is an issue with anybody, and it doesn't have to be me, find out what the facts are first. And that's, that's where I had the issue. People didn't find out what the facts were before they just reacted. What were those facts? And it started with a uh, Caucasian student wanting to hold up a sign uh, in reference to what happened with George Floyd. And to be quite honest with you, and I have nothing to lose at this point, I, I thought that that message should have come from an African-American student. Is that something you communicated directly to the student? Did you did you have a student in mind? And, and I did and, and I did not. And maybe that's one. Maybe that was the fault on my part, that if I had articulated really my true feelings about it, maybe it would not have gone as far as it went. But, you know, my fault, my bad. But at the end of the day, I was trying to do the right thing uh, and it didn't turn out that way. Uh, but it's not the end of the world. We were able to um, address the issue with the students here at Whitney Young and move on past that. When we reach out to our listeners, our readers, and ask them something unique to Chicago that they've just sort of gotten used to, one answer that constantly comes up is selective enrollment high schools and how competitive it is to get into certain high schools in Chicago. Uh, you know, the racial makeup of Whitney Young doesn't look exactly like CPS's breakdown, right? Their overrepresentation of of white students and Asian students, and underrepresentation of black students. You know, uh, are are selective enrollment high schools a good thing for our city? I think it's an absolutely necessary and good thing mm -hmm. for our city. I think though that we need to create more selective enrollment schools. We had sixteen thousand students to apply to Whitney Young. Basically, only four hundred four hundred of them get in. There is another whole slew of students that maybe missed the cutoff by a few points or, you know, 50 points or whatever. Why can't we as a 
as a as a district create then another five or six schools from those students that did not get in. You know, a lot of people want to say, oh, my God, you know, we shouldn't have selective enrollment schools. They're siphoning off the best students. Well, you know, if you look at it, we have 600 elementary schools. We're taking 400 of those 600 schools, one student out of each school. How is that really impacting those schools? We sat down with the CEO of CPS, Pedro Martinez. And for a long time, enrollment uh, has driven budgets in Chicago. And so if a number of students are taken out of a school, an elementary school, and over time the, the morale drops and parents pull, they, they realize, oh, you know, there are better schools out there for students, then, then the neighborhood schools end up uh, losing out. And, and so do you think that when you take that into account that, you know, yes, you want uh, students to, to have the best resources possible, but if only a handful of schools have those resources, and like you said, there are thousands of other uh, students, isn't it probably more important than we than us creating 10 or 15 more selective enrollment schools we invest in the hundreds of schools we already got? And, and, and I, I would say to that, um, I think that we need to take a really hard look at what we're providing in the city in terms of schools. We have some schools that have 200 kids in a school. In a high school, there's, there's no way that you're going to be able to provide the necessary opportunities for students with that few of students. And I know people don't want to hear this. We need to close some of these schools that are under-enrolled and look at where these students can and should go. Is it easy to, to say that, though, sitting in one of the best schools in the city with no sense of closing? That, that probably will never meet Whitney Young's door. Is it easy to look at another school with those 200 students who, you know, those are their friends. That is their neighborhood. Those are their teachers. Is it good to just say, well, your school's underperforming, we'll close you and we'll move And I'm not saying else. every single school that's underperforming, mm -hmm. but the other thing I would say, two things. One, the dollars have to follow the kids. Whitney Young does not need new doors. $500,000 worth of doors. You know, that $500,000 to me could have gone somewhere else, not to Whitney Young necessarily, but to another school. So I just think that we need to reallocate some of the dollars that we are getting as a system to those underperforming schools. Um, but I think that we've lost some ground. Um, we've had, I think, seven or eight CEOs since I since I was principal. Yeah, that's ridiculous to me. You know, I think the CEO's uh, position needs to be for somebody with some stability and some longevity in those positions. I've always felt that that position needs to be an educator. And they should have looked at a Joyce Kenner for that position I, as well. I was going to say, I was like one name that you, you put forward a couple times was, was your own. So how would, uh, you know, an equitable uh, allocation of resources look like when you do take into account that some schools have wealthy benefactors, wealthy alumni? I mean, can you really pocket watch the parents of the schools, uh, of the, and, and, the and, children and, at a school to decide and, and, how much money they get? And, and you can't, you cannot. However, when... You know, we got all of this extra money from the government based on the pandemic. Let, let, let's take those dollars and see which schools need what. You know, I mean, I mean, it's really that simple. Ask the principals what they need. We need a renovation of our computer uh, department. We need uh, new windows in our school. You know, we need air conditioning. We need some fans. We need whatever we need. Ask the principals what they need, especially when we have this large allocation of dollars just recently from the federal government that we can use uh, to support our schools and to improve our schools. 
as you look back and you start to, you know, reflect, as you start to see the scrapbooks, get the texts and the messages, what's something you look back on with like the fondest of memories that you accomplished in your time here? It's, it's been an honor to do this work. It really has been an honor. I said I wasn't going to cry. Uh, it's been an honor. And, and, I, and I know that I've given everything that I could um, within my personal being. My hair is gray now, so I've given my hair for sure. But I've, I've done the very best job that I can do as principal of Whitney Young. I will always say my heart was in the right place. I tried to do the right thing. And everybody makes mistakes. Dr. Joyce Kenner, it is a pleasure and an honor to sit down with you. Uh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much, too. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. Mayor Lightfoot has instituted a 10 p.m. curfew for all Chicagoans under the age of 18 who are without an adult. She didn't actually clarify what defines a responsible adult, and Lightfoot put it on CPD when asked how the city plans to enforce this policy. City Council has voted 43 to 7, passing the new ward map for going a June citywide referendum. For a link to the map, check out today's newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. And some good news to get you through. Lincoln Park's Mayfest kicks off the summer festival season this weekend on Armitage at Sheffield. There's going to be multiple stages, mimosas on deck, and plenty of food to choose from over the three-day fest. I know y'all been listening to the show everywhere I go, somebody tells me. So make sure that you rate and review. It helps other people find City Cash Chicago. I appreciate it. I'll talk to y'all tomorrow. Peace. Ambi Stinger, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. Before, before, before. Okay, cool. Dropping now.